Welcome to this month's episode of the Cordell & Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast, a combination of views, news, and tips relating to topics and situations relevant to guys going through divorce. It is an unfortunate reality that many children will face a serious and commonly misunderstood reprogramming after divorce known as parental alienation, something that more often than not targets a child's relationship with their father. In this edition of the Men's Divorce Podcast, we will discuss how parental alienation affects children, the warning signs of alienation, and how alienated parents can fight back in court, as well as speak with experts and victims of this unfortunate condition. To start us off, Cordell & Cordell divorce attorney Camille Piedrick gives a broad overview of parental alienation to help reinforce how serious the impact can be. Parental alienation involves the destruction or corrosion of a child's relationship with one of their parents, which is why it is frequently seen after divorce. It is important to note that alienation can be either direct or indirect, and this distinction can have a major effect on how you attempt to remedy the situation. Parental alienation is a process by which the present and future relationship between a parent and child is destroyed. Um, we see this frequently in divorce cases. Parental alienation can really take two different forms, direct alienation and indirect alienation. Direct alienation occurs when one parent actively undermines the other parent or attempts to actively undermine the other parent. This is usually done when one parent makes derogatory remarks, blames the other parent for the divorce, gives the child or children a lot of details about the divorce. It can also occur when a parent doesn't allow access to school or medical records for, one, for the other parent. Also occurs, um, direct alienation also occurs where a parent will change a child's name or ask the child to call a new partner or step parent, mom or dad. Finally, direct alienation can occur um, when a parent asks the child to actively choose between this parent and the other parent. More frequently, we see indirect alienation. Indirect alienation can occur when one parent fails to support the relationship that the other parent has with the child. It can also occur in circumstances where one parent might say, you know, call me if you get afraid or call me if you're not feeling comfortable with the other parent or I'll come and get you as opposed to having regular visitation um, and supporting that relationship. Um, Indirect alienation can also occur when one parent asks a child to make decisions which are not age appropriate. For instance, asking the child whether they want to attend visitation with the other parent when it's not age appropriate for that parent, for that child to make that decision. With regard to how the child reacts to parental alienation, you see circumstances where one child will lack attachment to one parent. They also might lack empathy with regard to the alienated parent. You might have a circumstance where they, a child believes that one parent is actively bad or not appropriate. The child will often denigrate the alienated parent. They might use foul language uh, or make derogatory comments about that parent. You also see circumstances where a child will actively support the alienating parent. They will really align themselves with one parent or the other. So this brings me to how, how do courts deal with this? How do they treat parental alienation? One of the most challenging aspects is that um, when you've got a parental alienation case, you've got to prove the alienation. This is often done with the use of custody evaluators who are expert witnesses, um, people that are trained to really look into the family dynamics and see whether alienation has occurred. 
the, your attorneys involved in that process and will be actively looking to uh, employ an appropriate expert to prove the alienation. So how do courts deal with it when they do find that alienation has occurred? There's a variety of different uh, options that the court has. Those options can involve um, finding the alienating parent in contempt of court and imposing some form of sanctions against the alienating parent. The court can also change legal or physical custody of a child if they believe that the alienation is causing the child harm. More commonly, the court will have mandated reunification therapy ordered. In that circumstance, counselors are involved with the family in attempting to counsel both the parents and the child to reunify the child with the alienated parent. While parental alienation had very little awareness a mere decade or two ago, it has gained far more attention in recent years. DazDivorce.com editor Sean Garrison recently spoke with Parental Alienation Study Group President William Burnett about his work to help get this serious condition more public awareness. His international organization has made significant progress in obtaining more widespread acknowledgement of parental alienation, including gaining a form of recognition in the latest edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. last few decades, general knowledge regarding parental alienation syndrome has grown by leaps and bounds. One of the reasons that awareness has increased is due to the work done by the Parental Alienation Study Group. The International Not-for-Profit Corporation, which started eight years ago with 60 mental health and legal professionals, puts together projects, educational presentations, and articles and books about parental alienation and its effects. It has since grown to 240 members. PASG President William Burnett says the organization truly has an international reach. We now have members from uh, 40 countries. I mean, it's really interesting that there are people all the way from um, Argentina, uh, obviously all the way through North America, uh, countries in Europe like Latvia and Romania and to India and uh, Japan. So we're, we really are all over uh, the world and that that helps us understand better exactly what happens uh, with regard to parental alienation in many different countries. One of the group's most significant achievements was getting parental alienation included in the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Although the words parental alienation are not technically included in the manual, its diagnosis is as a relational problem labeled as child affected by parental distress. Burnett says that that inclusion has significant ramifications. Uh, the main reason why we wanted to get it in the DSM was for teaching purposes. In other words, when social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists have training and education, uh, they use the DSM as, as, for the, as the basis for much of the teaching. And so we thought if we were in the book, uh, the topic of parental alienation would be discussed uh, readily, more readily in training programs. And also it would be more accepted in court. Sometimes in court they complain or somebody will complain that parental alienation is not in the DSM and so therefore it should not be admitted in court. But we, we don't think that's that much of a problem anymore because almost everybody accepts that it's a real problem and, and should be understood.
Parental alienation is notoriously difficult to prove, which creates a number of issues for alienated fathers trying to seek relief. Cordell & Cordell attorney Rebecca DeVincent explains some warning signs fathers should be on the lookout for, and more importantly document if they are present, including when your child knows more details about the divorce than they should, your ex interfering with visitation, or your ex listening in on your phone calls with your child. Parental alienation is a type of behavior seen in divorced or separated parents wherein one parent is trying to interfere with the child's relationship with the other parent. This type of behavior is taken very seriously by judges. There are many different ways that parent parental alienation might take a form in your case, but there are some common, common ways that it can appear and they're easy to spot. One common way is if you notice your ex-spouse or the child's parent is telling your child all of the details of your case. There's really no reason a child should know anything about your divorce case or why you're in court modifying custody or visitation. One parent might say, the child asked me about it, so I thought I needed to be honest, but that's not true. There are other ways that you can appropriately discuss the case with a child that doesn't give them all of the details of your case. Another common type of parental alienation is interfering with the child's time with you. If you notice that the other parent is trying to decrease your time with the child, that's a form of parental alienation. Sometimes this might mean that the other parent schedules all of the child's doctor's appointments or soccer practices and flute lessons on your Saturday that you're supposed to have with the child. That's decreasing your one-on-one -on -one time with the child and isn't appropriate. This can also take the form of one parent listening on your child's phone calls with you. That's not an appropriate type of behavior and is a way to decrease your relationship and time with that child. A third common way that you might see parental alienation in your case is not supporting the child's relationship with the other parent. Both parents need to make efforts to show the child that it's okay to have a relationship with the other parent and, and they should have a loving and close relationship with that parent. This means not encouraging a child to be angry at the other parent or feel hurt by the party's separation or divorce or whatever's happening in court. Instead, that parent needs to be encouraging that child to continue to have a close and loving relationship with the other parent and say good and positive things about that other parent, no matter what that parent's feelings might be. If you're noticing any types of these behaviors, you should contact an attorney fast and start documenting these actions. Your attorney can then help you figure out the best plan of action so that you can address this behavior before it becomes a serious issue and harms your relationship with your child. Talking about the potential effects of parental alienation is one thing, but listening to the real-life stories of alienated parents really drives home how devastating this can be for all parties involved. DasDivorce.com editor Sean Garrison recently spoke with author and parental alienation survivor Michael Jeffries about his own experiences with alienation. The lack of resources for alienated parents led Jeffries to write A Family's Heartbreak, A Parent's Introduction to Parental Alienation which explains what to expect while going through this process. Michael Jeffries was an alienated parent for 12 years, and he says that experience was hands down the most miserable of his life. He said the experience was like getting hit by a train. 
One night, he went to sleep with a perfectly healthy relationship with his child. The next morning, that relationship had seemingly disintegrated. You know, I was the president of the PTO. I coached the basketball team. I was very, very involved. And all of a sudden, the next day, it just disappeared. And what happens in these situations is the alienating parent and the child form a very, very unhealthy, codependent relationship. And quite honestly, the child is scared. The child is told that the other parent has left. We're all we have left. We'd better hold on to each other. And the parent looks around, or the child looks around, excuse me, and says, well, you know, the other parent is gone. So I better do whatever I can do to hold on to this one, because if I lose this one, I'm really up the creek without a paddle. Jeffries says at the time, it didn't seem like there were many resources to help parents through the emotional ups and downs of being alienated from their child. So he decided to write the book, A Family's Heartbreak, to help parents know what to expect during the process. In A Family's Heartbreak, I worked with a psychologist and I basically told him my story and he talked about what was going on, um, not only for me, but in terms of the alienated parent, in terms of the alienated child, um, even in terms of the courts and the mental health professionals that were involved in the case. And for the reader, it's very much like they're kind of sitting in on our sessions um, and being a fly on the wall and learning about everything that I had to learn in order to you know, manage this situation effectively and come out the other side. While fighting parental alienation in court can be challenging, it has become more and more possible to convince a judge to do something about it. Cordell & Cordell divorce attorney Jamie Sparrow explains how you can build a case for proving parental alienation, which starts with documenting your efforts to be a part of your child's life, remaining cordial in your communication with the opposing party, and requesting a guardian ad litem to represent your child's interests. The first thing you can do is document all efforts that you make to communicate with the opposing party or with your child. Uh, this includes efforts to seek custody you know, time, um, requests to exchange custody periods, efforts to contact the child uh, by phone, by email, sending cards, gifts, etc. This shows a pattern of your efforts for the court to show that you're genuinely interested in having a relationship with child and hopefully will show responses by the opposing party that are unreasonable in nature or that you know, are denying your custody rights. Um, other things to do, um, continue to remain reasonable in your communications with the opposing party. Um, despite their efforts to alienate the child from you, you want to make sure that you're still showing that you're willing to co-parent with this person and that you're willing to facilitate a relationship between the child and this person because that's often a factor for custody that the court is going to consider. Uh, other things you can do um, during the course of your case is potentially request that the court appoint a guardian ad litem to represent your child's interest. This is an attorney who's licensed to practice law that can be appointed by the court um, and can utilize to interview the child, the parties, and any persons that are involved with the child. And sometimes this person being a neutral third party can help um, indicate for the court that these types of behaviors are going on um, and that can be a helpful piece of evidence. 
Other things that can be done are uh, reunification counseling. If the alienation has been rather severe to the point that there's issues between the parent-child relationship, you can request that the court order the, the parent and the child participate in a specific kind of counseling called reunification, which helps rebond the relationship. Um, oftentimes that counselor can also be called upon as a witness to testify in these types of court proceedings. Um, another tool typically utilized is a psychological evaluation that both parents and the child participate in. And as part of this process, the psychologist will interview the parties and the child. Um, there's also psychological testing that's typically done. And oftentimes, through the interview of the parties and the child and this testing, the psychologist sometimes can offer an opinion that alienation is occurring and you know, can make recommendations to the court for custody and how potentially that custody should be changed. And then finally, in extreme cases, uh, there are all, often instances where a parental alienation expert can be retained. And these are very specifically trained individuals who um, have experience dealing in parental alienation, and they can offer testimony as an expert in court proceedings if the case goes to trial to the judge relative to the fact that parental alienation is occurring and make recommendations to the court for how the court can address that, including but not limited to counseling, a change of custody, etc. Parental alienation has begun to gain more widespread recognition, and much of this can be attributed to the work of groups championing the cause. DadsDivorce.com editor Sean Garrison recently spoke to Roger Van Maris, director of the Parental Alienation Awareness Organization, about how they have brought more attention to this condition, including the beginning of Parental Alienation Awareness Day and their goal to promote the basic principle that every child deserves to be loved by both parents. Since 2006, the Parental Alienation Awareness Organization has marked April 25th as Parental Alienation Awareness Day. The event was founded by Sarvi Emo in Toronto and didn't receive much attention initially. But PAAO Director Roger Van Maris says it didn't take long for the event to pick up steam. Uh, the next year and beyond, uh, nobody could have foreseen how viral this, this would have gone. I guess there was nobody paying any attention to uh, the issue and uh, within a year or two hundreds of countries and states and cities and communities across the world were just you know jumping on the bandwagon and trying to get this this message out to uh, as many people as they could. Van Maris said communities across the globe are now proclaiming April 25th to be PAA Day. In 2010, the event was rebranded as Bubbles of Love Day to give the day a gentler message. At noon on April 25th, thousands of people will blow soap bubbles into the air with the goal of raising awareness of children who are alienated from one of their parents. The primary goal is to raise awareness that every child deserves to be loved by both parents. Uh, that is it in a nutshell. Uh, you know, you can, you know, the focus has to be on children. Yes, it's horrible that, that parents are prevented from seeing their children. I, I was in one of those situations where I didn't see my children for two years, uh, and my heart goes out to them, but the focus needs to be on the children. There are people on both sides of the, of the debate that can justify why a parent doesn't deserve to see the child, uh, but I've never come across a single person that can justify why a child doesn't deserve 
to know and love both parents. That's all we have time for in this month's Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast. Hopefully this gives you a better understanding of how parental alienation affects children and why it needs to gain wider acknowledgement in family courts. While fathers in the not-so-distant past may have been out of luck trying to convince a judge that their parent-child relationship was being undermined, parental alienation is beginning to be more commonly recognized, which is good news for many children and their alienated fathers. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for interviews, news, tips, and more covering a range of topics facing men during divorce. You can also find a number of resources on our website at cordellcordell.com, as well as our informational sites, mensdivorce.com and dadsdivorce.com.